1: it's 12.03 and welcome to the Tuesday edition of the Noon Business Hour. I'm Jim Goodis, And as always, the Noon Business Hour presented by the Republic Bank of Chicago. And let's start off with Apple kicking off its second all-virtual developer conference with a word of new updates to software for iPhones and other devices. We'll have more on that in our next segment. But right now, dozens of websites around the globe went offline this morning after an outage at the California-based cloud service Fastly. And we're joined by Shelley Palmer, the CEO of the Palmer Group in New York and author of the new book, Blockchain, Cryptocurrency, NFTs, and Smart Contracts, an exclusive guide to the world of decentralized finance. So, Shelley, let's talk first about this uh, big hiccup, I guess, or maybe worse on the Internet this morning. What happened and why?
2: Well... All anyone can tell is that one of the, con- the big content delivery networks fastly went down this morning, and it took a whole bunch of sites with it. It, you know, it took Financial Times, Guardian, some of the Amazon sites. Uh, CNN was down for a while. New York Times was down for a while. It was getting 503 errors because they couldn't resolve their content. And, uh, you know, it caused everyone to think there was something terrible happening, but actually probably not. <laughs> it was just the CDN went down, and it happened so infrequently, to be fair that it made the news when it happened, right? I mean, it's like this is not something we see every day. So there's only a few really big CDNs. Uh, CDNs, for those who don't know, it's a content delivery network. And what what it does is, let's say you have a server with a movie on it and you want everyone to be able to see that movie. If everyone that wanted to see your movie hit your own web server, your web server would crash. So you distribute the content out to the edge or closest to the user that you can, you know, as close to the user as you can get. and that makes it a lot uh, more efficient for people to access the content so if these sites go down if your content uh, delivery network goes down people can't get to your website because all of your website is distributed through these cdns that you might know uh, amazon web services in that business Cloudflare's in that business akamai uh there's there's several but the big ones the really big ones fastly and akamai and cloudflare there's just a few and of course aws is ubiquitous so yeah, when these go down, it hurts. Uh, they don't go down all the time, and it was only a few hours. So I, I don't think people should get their knickers in a knot. but it's a great opportunity, a teachable moment. What is your business continuity and resilience policy? Do you have a way to solve for this, or is it worth the money to be redundant? Because for, in some organizations, if you're in financial services or healthcare or you have mission-critical sites where that you really can't have them go down, Even this small hiccup in the course of a year might be too much. So you have to evaluate that and determine, are you resilient to this kind of uh, situation? Which, you know, New York Times, I think they got away with it for an hour. It was three days. How would they feel? Ten days. How would they feel? Those are questions you have to ask. Now, the good news, as you say,
1: is this makes headlines because it doesn't happen a lot. The the question is, and you started to talk about this a little bit, aren't we too reliant on too few CDNs? Do we need more?
2: So it's actually really expensive because you need to put servers all over the place. It's very labor-intensive. It's incredibly hardware-intensive. And it's just, you know, it's one of those things that there's no substitute for. You just need a lot of hardware and a lot of people. And that's why there aren't that many of them. They are fairly competitive. The pricing is, it's a substantial part of whatever your budget is. If you are someone who needs a CDN to do business, you know you need it, and it costs you money. So, you know, there are enough of them out there. The question isn't, do you need one? The question is, do you need a second one, right? Because how many, it's called nines of service, right? Is it up 99.99% of the time, or four nines, 99.999, or five nines, 99.999? At a certain point, you don't need that level of, of availability. It's just a cost-benefit analysis. And in this case, I think everybody does the, those analysis. Uh, certainly the New York Times or Hulu or the you know, big organizations that got – CNN got hit this morning. They do those calculations all the time. This was just an anomaly. And unless it was some kind of crazy hack, which I doubt, um, you know, it's just, just, just one of those things. And it lasted a couple hours, and everyone's going to get yelled at. And then we're all going to, you know, we'll all get to see our news and watch our videos. Kelly
1: Palmer, the CEO of the Palmer Group out of New York and author of the new book, Blockchain, Cryptocurrency, NFTs, and Smart Contracts, an executive guide to the world of decentralized finance. Coming up, Apple releases details of its latest iPhone operating system. Money Talks, as the WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Apple's Worldwide Developer Conference taking place this week virtually, and we welcome Angelo Zeno, the Senior Equity Analyst at CFRA in New York. And uh, Angelo, while the conference may be virtual, the developments uh, coming out of Cupertino are quite real and uh, somewhat significant, especially on the software side.
3: Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, this is Apple's annual kind of developers conference where it really doesn't mean as much for investors as it does for the actual developers out there. And and I'd say for the the long-term health of the the stock, it it definitely means a lot. But that being said, they didn't unveil anything new in terms of hardware products, but they did come out and announce details to iOS 15, which is going to launch later this fall. I'd say some of the the bigger key updates that were made were clearly on the FaceTime side of things, where they announced the, the availability of FaceTime beyond Apple devices. Um, and then you know clearly there were a number of other kind of new uh, unveilings on the FaceTime side of things, spatial audio, new microphone modes, uh, a new port- portrait mode. But um, you know, and then on top of that, we we saw a whole bunch of other stuff come out from Apple. Nothing groundbreaking, but a lot of you know kind of good stuff out there that's incremental to improving that ecosystem out there, whether it be updates to Memories or SharePlay or the ability to have live text. And that's really um, your your ability to kind of uh, recognize text in a photo um, and then you being able to take action with that. So having identity cards in Apple Wallet. So a lot of good stuff out there, um, but nothing really groundbreaking in terms of a single actual item out there.
1: You know, it was a little disappointing for Apple watchers because much of the speculation before WWDC was, Apple's going to come out with some new MacBooks, possibly, or some other hardware. Uh, how much of a disappointment was that? And were investors looking for Apple to come out with perhaps a new version of its M chip, that sort of thing?
3: Yeah, I mean, and, and that's what we did get last year in terms of that that M1 silicon chip. And, and that was definitely kind of a big event for Apple uh, in terms of the event this year. Listen, again, It's. It's. I, sh- I don't think investors should be too disappointed. I think every year as we kind of get to the developers' conference, everybody's hoping that kind of Apple throws at that one big thing out there that didn't happen this year. I think you, you see a number of upgrades on the product side of things as they typically do later this year. Um, again, 2021 isn't going to be a massive upgrade year because 2020 took a lot of the thunder out in terms of hardware announcements. But again, I think as far as this, event is concerned i think it really helped apple showcase the fact that they were able to find ways to integrate their ecosystem of devices so for instance um with mac os they can now kind of um you you can now kind of use your keyboard on both as on on your mac as well as an ipad if it's right next to your your mac and then you know also being able to promote a lot of the ar ai Platform capabilities out there, which may not be relevant, too relevant today, but as they start coming out with devices like AR glasses and what have you, it's going to be much more important to that ecosystem.
1: Angelo Zeno, the Senior Equity Analyst at CFRA in New York. Thanks for joining us. This is Chicago's all news station, News Radio 780 and 105.9 FM. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Good afternoon, I'm Jim Goodis, the new Business Hour, presented by Republic Bank of Chicago, and these are the top stories. A report on the January assault on the U.S. Capitol identifies multiple missteps.
4: This is Mike Krauser. Next month's auto show includes what's essentially a street festival with food trucks, beer, and live music along with the cars.
1: In Travel Tuesday, the RV travel lifestyle on a roll during the pandemic, but it might be tough to find one. A new grocery store in Chicago features prepared foods that customers could either eat there or take home. On Wall Street, the Dow is down 9, the S&P 500 up a fraction, the NASDAQ is ahead by 19 points. Again, AccuWeather saying we're going to have a mix of sun and clouds this afternoon. It'll be humid with a thunderstorm possible, a high of 84, but staying in the upper 70s by the lake. Right now, under partly sunny skies, it's 82 in Chicago at 1231. A Senate investigation of the January 6th attack on the Capitol by Trump loyalists identifies a series of mistakes by several agencies, as we hear from CBS correspondent Cammie McCormick. The bipartisan report found a breakdown in command systems, a lack of proper training, a delay in the deployment of the National Guard, despite pleas for help. It includes new details of injuries to Capitol Police, like chemical burns, brain injuries, and broken bones. And it recommends giving the Capitol Police chief more authority. It also criticizes the FBI and the Homeland Security Department for downplaying online threats and not issuing formal intelligence bulletins. Cammie McCormick, CBS News. This year's revamped Chicago Auto Show set for mid July will have more of a street festival to it.
4: On the first four nights of the show, July 15th through the 18th, Indiana Avenue, in front of the McCormick Place West Building, will be closed to traffic and there will be food trucks, beer and live music along with new cars. The Chicago Automobile Trade Association says you'll need an auto show ticket to attend. The capacity for the indoor show is 30,000 people per day, people per day. 10,000 at a time. Tickets are sold in blocks of time and can be bought online at chicagoautoshow.com. To attend the outdoor portion, you will need evening tickets. Mike Krauser, News Radio
1: 105.9 FM. A reminder, Odyssey is your home for all the audio that matters to you. Download the Odyssey app, A-U-D-A-C-Y, to listen to us anytime or just ask your smart speaker to play WBBM News Radio. It's 12:33. A deposit for your future. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Markets mixed today, and we're joined by Lou Stanisolovich, who's the president and CEO of Legend Financial Advisors out of Pittsburgh. So, Lou, it's uh, been up and down and not much in the way of movement. What's going on on Wall Street today?
4: Yeah, there hasn't been a lot of up and down. I mean, there's been mostly up and down the last few weeks. Uh, Not many categories of... Uh, Equity securities are are moving anywhere, and even the bond market, the 10-year Treasury, has dropped about 10 basis points, 11 basis points over the past few weeks, too. Uh, Another indication, uh, the VIX has remained steady. Pretty much in the high to well, mid teens to high teens, uh, which indicates that volatility probably won't be rising a tremendous amount over the next 30 days. Uh, So, uh, in terms of stocks, I think where we're going to see more of the movement going forward is in the commodity like uh, type stocks, and those would be mining companies, uh, the the, uh, ore that is mined uh, and, you know, like copper and so forth. And also there will be, uh, opportunities in certain recovery stocks, but, uh, your basic entities, uh, you know, the outlook for Apple, uh, doesn't look all that promising, um, doesn't mean it's going to go down. It just means that it probably is going more of a sideways movement than, than, uh, and, Many years past, or the last several years past, I should say, and that goes for a lot of the tech companies. Uh, opportunities probably are in semiconductors moving forward, and other companies uh, that have shortages. Uh, so we uh, are faced with shortages. They'll be in high demand. Even home builders uh, eventually will be in high demand. They've they've slowed down. They've dropped about ten percent in the last uh, month.
2: So,
1: in addition to what you talked about, commodities, that sort of thing, what are areas that you think investors should be looking at? What are areas that perhaps they should stay away from beyond those we've already talked about?
4: Well, uh, anything that would tend to be the high flyers, okay? We've, we've seen a number of those uh, recently, like AMC stock ha- has been skyrocketing, okay? There's no way in the world that stock is worth 50-some dollars a share. Uh, you know, uh, in fact, I saw one analyst argue for five dollars a share. Uh, there's uh, also um, there's going to be a uh, a lot of uh, you know the Game Stops of the world and stuff like that. I think most people should just stay away from that, uh, and and instead focus on companies with real earnings uh, going forward. You might see some pickup in some of the car companies uh, going forward too, as the chip problems get solved
1: is this a good time to just kind of wait and just kind of sense how the market's going and uh, maybe reevaluate your portfolio, that sort of thing?
4: Exactly, exactly. Don't make big moves, make smaller moves. It doesn't mean that you have to trade every day, but if if you want to buy something, watch and see how it performs. Um, And uh, uh, a lot of people don't know how to pick stocks, so I wouldn't. Instead, if you're equity-oriented, maybe uh, look at exchange-traded funds. But long term, the indexes will perform poorly. And uh, because of the high prices of where securities in general are, there are certain sectors that will offer more opportunity going forward. And I'm talking about over the next decade.
1: Lou Stanislavich, who is the president and CEO of Legend Financial Advisors out of Pittsburgh. Making sense of your dollars. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. It's Travel Tuesday. RVs and campers are so hot this summer, finding one could pose a challenge. And joining us on the McGrath Lexus Business Line is Mick Verke, owner of Greenway RV Sales and Service in Wisconsin Rapids. And Mick, I guess the question you're getting is, hey, got an RV for me?
5: Yeah, we have people that are asking, begging, and calling from other states, trying to find campers, and they can't find them. So what's going on? Why the shortage? Well, the demand with this COVID and things, it's it's an ideal thing to do, get out and enjoy the wildlife and everything and be away from the public and just be on your own.
1: Is there any kind of manufacturing issue at all, Mick, or is it just a matter Uh, of just too many people want them and not enough around?
5: Mostly supply issues, uh, supplying the components for the units. Uh, We're having a lot of trouble. Uh, Every week we get an email saying that they're going to substitute tires, they're going to substitute. Front caps are going to substitute this or that just to get the units to us.
1: So, Mick, what's the advice if somebody's thinking about getting an RV or they've been looking for one or looking for a a camper trailer, that sort of thing? What's your advice for them?
5: Well, my advice to them is get the order in as soon as possible. The manufacturers are taking retail sold first, building retail sold for the consumer, trying to get them taken care of before they stock the dealer.
1: And I'm sure a lot of people might look around and, have a buddy or a friend or know somebody who says, hey, I've got a, I've got a camper, I've got an RV I want to sell. I would imagine yeah. that you've got some words of advice for people who might be considering that, that secondary market.
5: Yes. Uh, my biggest advice to them is make sure they do their homework to value what their unit's worth and make sure they know the person or, or consult a RV owner or, or business to make sure that everything is okay on the unit before they purchase it.
1: Mick, I have to imagine that this is, you know, it's its one of these things where you've been waiting for this kind of demand. You have it now. You don't have the supply. Are you thinking that moving forward that this is going to bode well for your business and for the industry as a whole?
5: Yes, I think that's what's happening. We're seeing 20 to 25 percent new buyers coming into the market. And I think that this is going to be good for the industry I just think that they're going to be allocating units to dealers to try to be fair to small and big dealers. Otherwise, these big dealers would just buy up everything and then little dealers would go out of business. So um, I I, I think it's good for the industry and um, it's it's just a perfect thing to do with a family.
1: And Mick, are you seeing any light at the end of the tunnel, as it were, in terms of maybe getting to the point where you can start to meet a little more of this demand that you're seeing?
5: A year and a half. They predicted about another year and a half before we get back to normal.
1: Wow. That's amazing. Well, that's good news for you because of the demand, but of course you'd love to have the the units to sell. Hopefully you'll get into a a better balance on that sooner than 18 months. I hope so. All right. That's Mick Furkey, who's the owner of Greenway RV Sales and Service in Wisconsin Rapids. Join us at this time tomorrow for Personal Finance Wednesday. And still to come, The man behind Mariano's has a new venture. Money conversation that pays a big dividend. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Dom's Kitchen and Market is now open in the 2700 block of Halstead in Lincoln Park. And there's something that makes this grocery store unique. And to find out what that is, we welcome Ali Maradi, who's the restaurants and retail reporter at Crane. So what is it about Dom's that makes it unique?
0: Yeah, so it's kind of a blend of restaurant and grocery store, really. They have a bunch of different stations in there when you walk in where you can buy food that's prepared and you can eat it right there. Or you can get groceries and take them home with you to go. And they have all the different elements, you know, the the coffee shops, the wine place, you know, the coffee shop switches to selling alcohol after three any kind of food you could want. So kind of, you know, it it does remind you of Mariano's in a way where you can grab a glass of wine if you want um, and, you know, try some sushi or something, but it kind of takes it a step further, really.
1: So it's a little more expanded because, you know, we've all heard about, you know, food we can take out or in some cases get a cup of coffee or maybe some wine. But this is really putting it on, as you say, the next level.
0: Yeah, it's kind of interesting because they've been working on this since 2019. Um, so really, they said all, the better part of three years. Um, but then obviously they were stuck with the pandemic, which really changed the way people grocery shop. You know, everybody was eating at home for so long, maybe developed some of those skills, but um, also was ordering online their groceries. And a lot of experts expect that to continue. People will keep ordering their food online. They'll also start going back out to restaurants. We've already seen that happening in a big way. Um, but, you know, I was talking to a couple of the co-founders of Dom's, Bob Mariano being one of them, uh, and they were sort of saying they think that this they, they got kind of lucky, um, but also just paid attention to consumer research and stuff and were was able to capitalize on some of the changing trends, or at least they're going to try to.
1: Is this a play at all on Dominix, uh, the name Dom's? Is this kind of a throwback to that? And, you know, Dominix had tried something a little bit like this, you know, back when it was in business, yeah, a little more expanded options in terms of. Food and, and other servings that people could pick up and have it ready to go, that sort of thing.
0: Yeah, for sure. So, besides Bob Mariano, who obviously started the Mariano's grocery store chain, which is now owned by Kroger out of Cincinnati, um, the other partners in this company are Jay Owen, who is the great grandson of the founder of Dominic's, and then Don Fitzgerald, who is a former senior executive at Dominix. So, they all kind of like, you know, trace their background to that and are. Industry veterans here, but um, yeah, it's interesting because they've also brought in a lot of investment for this. You know, I, I first wrote about this back in March when they landed a pretty big round of funding from some other big players in the Chicago area, such as Cleveland Avenue, which is was is a venture capital firm founded by former McDonald's CEO Don Thompson, and there was another venture capital firm that was founded by former Walgreens CEO Greg Watson. So it's kind of really interesting to see all the. Big food heavyweights in town
1: getting behind this. All right, that's Ali Marati, who's with Cranes and covers restaurant and retail. You'll find past programs and later today, a podcast of this hour at WBBMNewsRadio.com and the Odyssey app. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day.